0: Welcome to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show with your hosts, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara and Rob Hammershman, who tackle the tough topics relating to Major League Rugby in the US and Canada. This is your premier source of information. You are listening to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Well, hey there, Major League Rugby fans! Welcome to another episode of the MLR Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities, and joining me, as per usual, we got Rob Hamishman, Scott Ferrara, and for the first time from the Dallas Supporters Club, let's welcome Rick Collins. Welcome to the show, man!
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's it's still hot down here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's always hot. <laughs> well. Uh, just to be able to give our viewers a little bit insight. If you have not yet seen this show, this is where we tackle the tough topics regarding rugby in America and Canada, and we have assembled an all-star cast here to be able to talk about whether the Hawaii bid is legitimate, and ultimately, could it actually work to be able to host a team in Hawaii? This has been a hot topic, gentlemen, to be able to talk about in the MLR fan zone, or of course, all the other groups across the social media platforms. And we're here to be able to find out what we think, look at the obstacles, how could they overcome it, and if it was going to happen, what would it look like? So to be able to take you through the rant one more time, let me remind our viewers that each of these gentlemen have two minutes be able to put their points across and let us know what they think about the Hawaii bid and whether it's plausible or not. Seeing as Rick is the first timer here, we're going to do the due diligence and offer the uh, floor to our guests. So
2: Rick, let us know what you think. So right off the bat, just talking about social media, Reddit, the conversations always about for Hawaii travel and accommodations. I don't really want to touch too much on that because I know it's Scott and Hammer are going to have some really big ideas about how that's going to work uh, or not work. Uh, My thought really is about the market. And really, it's an interesting positive for them. Uh, When you look at NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, even MLS, the market isn't that great for them. They're already sports that have existed for a long time. The fan bases are huge. Uh, They need to be in large markets. You see markets that have struggled in the past, even a Seattle um, Oklahoma City struggled in the past. Um, so some of those markets that you would think would be very viable for a professional sports team have not worked out. L.A. has not worked out for NFL teams in the past. So uh, we'll see how that works there for them this, the next two or three years. But for rugby, Hawaii is a perfect market, in fact, um, because there aren't other professional teams there. It makes a whole lot of sense that you would have a smaller market where everybody is rugby crazy that are all going to go show up for rugby matches. And that's going to be the focus of their professional sports there in Hawaii. So I really think the market's excellent for Hawaii. Um, There are a lot of concerns, obviously. I think, you know, we're going to look at stadiums here in a little bit. We're looking at travel. We're looking at accommodations. But overall, in terms of the people that are there, the people that are going to be their fan base and potentially their players, I think it's great for Hawaii.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And when you talk about the markets, you know, it's pretty interesting to be able to see that, you know, you said that sports in America is a very saturated market. There's a lot to be able to enjoy, whether it's broadcast, by stadium, whatever it is, there's a lot. But when it comes to Hawaii, they haven't had that same professional sports culture. So certainly there's room to be able to grow. And given the investment that's required for, say, an NFL team as opposed to an MLR team, it's vastly different. So it makes it more feasible in that manner. So I definitely hear your point there. And those are some great points right there about the market. Now, I'm going to hand it over to Scott to be able to let us know what he thinks. So. Here we go, big guy. Two minutes. It starts now.
1: Okay, so we know there's a bid, right? So that's something we could all agree on. There's a bid for Hawaii to have this team. Um, The owners have to now are going to eventually go to a vote at some point in time, which is part of their structure. Um, So in my mind, for a Hawaiian team to happen right now, um, they have to give some type of concession, right? We know they're obviously going to be in the Western Conference. So what does that mean for teams like Rooney, teams like Toronto, teams like NOLA, going all the way across just not the United States, then the flight to Hawaii? That opens up an interesting thing in Glendale. Glendale has a stadium. They have all the facilities there. So I'm wondering if the the, the concession they give is when they have to play the East Coast teams and it's a home match, they go to Glendale to play it. Um, I think that gives the opportunity for everybody else um, – in the MLR or the other fans to, to come see the Hawaii team. Cause honestly, if, if you told me Hawaii was going to play in Glendale, that's not a bad flight from New York. I'd like to see them play. I'd like to see them play Rooney. Um, the time zone would be a good for a primetime game so we can have Hawaii in primetime instead of, let's say, you know, for Hawaiians, it's, it's, you it might not be the best, but for the other markets, if they're playing one or two East coast teams, it'll be better. Um, so I think it depends on the concession they're going to give and I think that concession is something that the East Coast owners will say, you know, they're really giving us the opportunity to play them and and not have the expense. So let's let's take a shot on it. So that was that's my big thing.
0: Yeah, and I completely agree with you. If you're going to be able to To put yourself in a position that you want to be as successful as possible in the league, you have to be able to get the buy-in from all the other teams. So you have to make it as easy and convenient for them without allowing them to incur additional expenses just because another team had joined the league. Ultimately, if that went to a vote... And I was one of those owners, I'd go, well, now my rugby is more expensive and it becomes a harder model to be able to support. So why would this be advantageous for us to be able to include Hawaii? So you brought up a great point there, Scott, is that if you found a neutral venue that could mitigate some of those travel and accommodation costs, of course, Colorado and Infinity Park is a great venue that's already uh, been host to the Colorado Raptors. And in their absence, what a great way to be able to fill a void in part, at least, now, we do know they have a partnership with the USA that we previously spoken about in one of our previous episodes. You can go ahead and check that video in the link up over here, somewhere here, probably over here. Uh, <laughs> and you can find out more about what we think about that on the and podcast. But I think it's a great point to be able to talk about that. If you can mitigate some of these costs, you overcome these hurdles and you certainly can make it a bit more uh, convenient and uh, I would say advantageous. for and, the, just, uh, the and
1: just to add on real quick, it's not unprecedented for teams to have neutral site games, as we saw with Vegas, as we saw with, or trying to mitigate that, as we saw with the East Coast, Northeast Coast teams in 2019, playing all their away games in the better climates, so that way they can contend and, and have more of a fanship. In, in as it got warmer, so I don't think it's unprecedented to say uh, Hawaii, you have to play two games against East Coast teams; they're going to be neutral site, and you still get your seven home matches against your West Coast rivals.
2: Hey, Scott, also to add on to that, um, what about having multiple home games in a row and having multiple East Coast teams travel at the same time or traveling right and playing three or four matches on the road altogether? At-
1: Absolutely, I think that's what they're probably going to string uh, when they. I mean, if they do a Texas run, let's be honest. Why wouldn't they play every Texas team one yeah. week, one week, one week and bang them out?
0: And it's almost like they become a touring side in that manner, though. And if
1: and you that, want, to have, yeah, I'm going to give we're going to give Hammer his time, but if you want to just talk about big four markets, Rick made a good point. Look at the um um the Golden Knights in Las Vegas. NHL has a a smaller fan base in the market, and that worked for Las Vegas who. It has a transient population. If you only mm-hmm. have to fill a stadium, you know, in NHL, a 15,000-seat stadium is considered medium, um, medium to smaller sized. That's the kind of stadium they actually have in Vegas, and they fill it every night with locals and transients. So I think Hawaii can do that.
0: Right. Absolutely. Now, let's be able to give uh, the uh, the hammer an opportunity to be able to share his thoughts. He's been waiting patiently on the bench until now. So let's call him into the onto the field. Do Sorry. I get a
3: now? Is it my opportunity? <laughs> I really all right. The floor is yours, man. Oh, awesome. It's about time. So, first of all, before I begin my actual rant, I want to uh, thank Rick for organizing uh, a draft watch party down there absolutely. in Dallas. Uh, it really added to to our draft show. There you uh, go. There we you know, go. Jack again. Shirt right there, promoting his fan group. Love it. I got All one right. for you, Ty. Nice. <laughs> I like it, man. That, <laughs> that looks like a big extra, extra small. <laughs> extra, extra small. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, thanks a lot, Rick, and we appreciate you joining the show. Um, back in episode six, we had Brandon Smith on. We talked about this very uh, this very topic. And we actually cut it because so much of what we talked about was rumor in urendo, and there wasn't a lot that we can confirm. And now with a lot of the stuff that we were talking about as rumor is now coming to fruition. But one of the biggest points that I made that was an advantage uh, for a Hawaiian franchise was the athletes, right? I talked about a number of NFL players that have come out of Hawaii and had very successful careers. Um, the most recent you know, we can evaluate, uh, successful, but, uh, Marcus Mariota certainly had an excellent college career. Um, I think he was Heisman trophy winner and, uh, obviously Tua is coming out of his first professional season here in the NFL, if it kicks off, of course, um, this upcoming season. So there's, there've been some really strong and excellent athletes that have gone the NFL route. So clearly they have athletes that can, that can, uh, participate. Um, but we also see, we talked to Sam Wuching just uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, had a great interview with him. And, you know, I, I think he would Check love to go video back. Up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he would definitely, I, I think, love to go back to his home state and and play rugby for sure. And then we recently just had an announcement Jack Breen, uh, who's uh, had some uh, ties to uh, the um, Mauna Loa uh, rugby, um, announced that uh, Sione, uh and I may be butchering the name Lolo Hea, um, a 6'6, 270-pound athlete, plays rugby, plays football. He was, you know, BYU is trying to get him to come play D1 football there. Uh, supposedly uh French club Breve offered him a contract. So this is a serious athlete, uh great size. He's gonna be playing uh at life next year, playing rugby at life next year. So here's another kid that in four years could easily go back and play at his home state professional rugby. Um, Having said all that uh, there's one challenge and that is, um, and I think we talked about this too, in that episode six uh, that is uh, infrastructure. Um, The, the rumor is that they're going to be playing at Aloha Stadium? But we know that Aloha—it's uh, been pretty well uh, indicated in a variety of news sources—that they're actually going to be doing some infrastructure changes there. Um, you have a fifty-thousand-seat stadium. State seat stadium. Um, you know, even a great crowd of, of you know, seven or eight thousand is going to get lost in a stadium of that right. size. The, the The news is that they 're going to downsize it to thirty five thousand but again that 's a little too big for rugby right now, where the m l r is at Maybe in twenty years like the m l s has progressed to the point where they 're filling it. 30,000 state seating, but right state seat, Jesus. <laughs> That's
1: because in you're real. talking for like seven or eight minutes. minutes. This is going to be the outtake Why thing. Back on
0: the first back in episode
1: ran, two. Terrible it. touches. He's getting terrible
2: touches. But, way too long.
1: But uh,
3: but what we do know is that they're talking about in this plan, $150 million. It's going to be expensive. Uh, it's going to take, I think, three years. Um, but they're going to put in hotel and housing and retail space. So, you know, if this comes to fruition, could be a great opportunity. But, boy, there are a lot of things that have to come into place and fall into line in order for that infrastructure to happen.
0: All right. So, first of all, yellow card. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So
3: I'm going to resign myself. I won't be winning this, but you know what? I always have – This it's why I brought the mug. No matter what, I am the. How much did that cost,
2: Hammer? Uh, When you bought it, how much? It
3: was given to me. Look at the size of it. It's far
2: (laughs) bigger
0: than the
3: trophy, so I'll take
0: it. I gave you the advantage because I could see that it was good play, but you got you know I got to be consistent in the calls. But I want to return to a couple of your key points there, Rob. So I'll start at the end where you'd spoken about the stadium. Now, of course, the stadium plan is to be able to reduce the seats, is to be able to add a hotel training facilities adjacent. So yeah, it's an aging stadium that could be updated with a lot of money and a lot of time. However, in the interim, you would have to imagine that they would find a smaller stadium that eventually, if they decided to move into the larger stadium, could be possible. And it should be under probably a, a 10,000 would be something that they would look for. Um, Rick, I see you with your hand up. I just want to be able to hit a couple of points in response to to what uh, uh, Rob had mentioned. So talking about stadiums, it's not unlike if we're going to talk about Aloha being far too large. You could think about the Coliseum for the Giltinis and bring up the exact same argument. So, you know, is this really a point of, of, of obstacle? I mean, are they just being overly ambitious? I mean, obviously time will tell. Uh, the other point that I wanted to be able to bring up was about the athletes. So you hit a nail on the head is that there are some pretty big boys in the Pacific Islands. So to be able to tap into a player resource that is untapped, actually, I mm-hmm. should say, an untapped player resource like the Pacific Islands of Hawaii and maybe even across, further across to Samoa, Tonga. Um, you know, of course, I love it. Eddie Jones said it best recently on a show in New Zealand. You know, New Zealand rugby is the best in the world because it has the greatest academy of Samoa, Tonga, <laughs> so it's almost as if these players are genetically engineered to play rugby. They're strong, they're fast, they're great with the ball in hand. So, yes, athletes are going to be fantastic. They can come from Hawaii, grown, homegrown talent. And the other thing is is that they very seldom actually find a transition from playing any sport at college level or at high school level to a sport in the U.S. because of the difficulties of travel and all of that stuff. Um, so maybe you can work in their favor, again, as building off what Rick had said, is that lack of other professional teams can be a great advantage to rugby.
3: Yeah, so let me just add. You know, something that needs to be said. Uh, I did a little research on on uh, Kem Kilgore, and and he's had a lot of involvement with mentorship of young rugby players. And I I don't think we can understate the value that that would have in the in the Polynesian culture that develops down there. right. Loyalty is important and family is important and all those things are hallmarks of what he's developed in his mentorship. And so there's going to be a lot of loyalty, I would think, that he'll be able to build uh, with the young rugby players down there that could see them come back from you know, college rugby into the professional ranks if a team is developed in Hawaii.
0: Right. So just for the context of the conversation, you mentioned the name Cam Kilgore. So for those of you who are not familiar, this is a person that is linked to Kanaloa uh, Hawaii Rugby. It is rumored that, in fact, the name of the new team, should it move forward and actually become a successful MLR team for 2021, would be named uh, the Kanaloa Hawaii team. So I just wanted to be able to give people context there, but I know that Rick had a point that he wanted to bring up. So let's go head over to you again.
2: Yeah. So I think when you talk about infrastructure and you're talking about, you know, trying to shrink the size of the stadium there to fit, you know, there's the options that Oak Glory DC has taken that life has taken is, uh, you know, find a school uh, that's got a soccer field and take it over, right? Mm-hmm. Or in, in an older field that's in need of some work and, and you know, put it together for three years before you can move into a smaller, sta- you know, smaller right. professional stadium. Right. Um, and the OGDC... The problem I think job. you have it, is there aren't that many, right? I mean, the only other professional stadium is War Memorial Stadium, and that thing was built in 1955. There, You're <laughs> just not going to play there. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I think that's a huge challenge. Uh, for them, as you were mentioning, uh, Hammer, earlier.
0: Yeah. And, and you and would to have to point, imagine as well that they'd be looking for something with natural turf, not uh, an artificial turf as well. That's another key point there. Sorry, Rob, to interrupt? Yeah, me no. It,
3: and, and Rick, you make a great point there. Let's not forget that NOLA played for the first two seasons. They played at a high school stadium, yeah. right? Uh, and it wasn't until they moved into the gold mine that they were in a more professional setup. So it, it is not out of the realm of possibility.
0: Right. Absolutely. I agree. So when we talk, look, just to recap for a moment for those viewers, perhaps just tuning in and for those looking for a little bit of a greater understanding, if Hawaii was to be able to have a team, which right now, the only thing that we know for sure is that there is a bid that has been placed now to give people also a greater understanding there. That means that they have asked essentially to be a part of the MLR and, however, would still go to a majority vote between the league owners to be able to validate whether they're in or not. But any city can go ahead and make a, a, a bid. That's that's There's no real restriction there. However, to be able to do so, you have to have an incredible amount of investment. You have to be able to have all of your partners that are lined up. You have to be able to have a clearly uh, marked-out business plan. You need to be able to be have a plan to be operating, I think, for three years, And just to give people a context, your franchise fees alone are in the millions each season. So you might be looking at somewhere in the ballpark of about seven to $9 million uh, just to be a part of the league, even before you've paid a single salary. So it is a big venture to be able to tackle. It is a massive thing to be able to do. As the league progresses and matures, they ask for more from those league teams coming in so they can, of course, secure a future for them to be a part of it. Because what the MLR doesn't want is a team for one season and disappears the next. So when we talk about some of these challenges, what are some of the ways that they might be able to overcome it? And I'll open it to the floor, whoever wants to jump in. Well, I just want
1: to jump in on Rick's about about War Memorial Stadium. I mean, right. Lambeau Field was, I think, opened in 1957, and, and they've have renovated it. You know, obviously, so I think that maybe, you know, a small contribution to War Memorial Stadium just for maybe, you know, two or three years to get them started is something they could do. But as far as as far as um, the money is concerned, um, if you have enough partners, if you have, you know, enough capital, I mean, you could do anything. Um, you know, um, they had. It has been rumored. It has been said that you know, Hawaii is going to have, you know, this relationship with Hawaii air and with, you know, the local hotels that they can do things with. So, I mean, if, if they can do that, if they can minimize the cost for, like I said, for the East coast teams and minimize the cost for the West coast teams, you know, I don't see how, how it's going. Owning a team is expensive. Ask Jerry Jones. That's why he's a billionaire. So I don't think it's far fetched to say, you know, your expenses are going to be added in the, 2022 2023 season because we you need to go to hawaii
0: right absolutely i mean it's you have to look at it from almost every possible angle to be able to 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 make an advice or an informed decision so it's not going to be easy to be able to present their case uh and it's not going to be easy to be able to convince others to be able to say yes we want hawaii in But I think it's also good to be able to note that there is an incredible upside and we've already pointed out some great facts there, but truly, I mean, for you to be able to have a professional sports organization that is properly hosted and finds a support base, local support base, it would be a great thing, not only for the league, but for rugby as a whole.
3: Yeah. You know, and let's not forget a lot of, uh, a lot of the folks that are out there on, on our Facebook fan, the fan zone, MLR fan zone have been talking and criticizing the idea suggesting that, you know, it's going to be real difficult for East Coast teams to travel. I think Rick mentioned that the difficulty of broadcasting and giving the time zone, you know, getting the times right uh, for broadcasting. Um, but uh, within that context, doesn't it take a unanimous vote on behalf of all the current owners in order for a franchise to actually granted uh, the ability
0: to become part of the league? That's one that I can't actually answer. Perhaps somebody else might be able to.
2: So, I, I'm not going to answer because I don't know, but that brings up the transparency of or lack thereof of the league and things like this. I, I feel like, you know, how hard is it to let us know that it's either a majority vote or it's a unanimous vote to, you know, get a franchise in um, along with, you know, what the expected amount of money uh, to be invested is? That seems like it would be easy to make public. Um, And some of this process, I think, is difficult for us to even, you know, say anything about because there are things that we've heard, uh, we've been able to, I would say, even confirm. But should we share it because there are things going on in the league that maybe would be reason not to?
0: Right. And then also, what I've noticed is that just because it might be considered truth today, it doesn't mean that it is tomorrow. Definitely.
1: Um I mean you Ty had mentioned about local viewership and I think having a franchise in Hawaii opens up more to international uh viewership because right. you can have people you know obviously the the supposedly the group that's that's the Kanaloa rugby is uh, big in the New Zealand community um you can have all these southern hemisphere teams down there and 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 the islands and and the Polynesian teams and say hey you know we can feasibly watch Hawaii play in the MLR, just like we all watch the Blues, you know, in the next couple of days, I'll be watching it, you know, Saturday morning on the replay. Um, so, you know, with a deal with the ESPN plus deal, I think you can actually build viewership and build a, a more of an international feel for this Hawaii team than you could in a, in a con- on a continental uh, North American right. team.
0: I think this kind of ties back to the point that Rick had mentioned is that, As a market, it's a very, very profitable product for rugby internationally. It has an incredible upside to it that you can engage an audience from the Pacific Islands, New Zealand. I mean, when people are looking at rugby, it would be very exciting to be able to hear that professional rugby is making its way to Hawaii. So I think that leagues across the world, viewers would tune in. I mean, there's already more and more attention coming the way for Major League Rugby year after year. And people are intrigued by its, its incredible growth. Um, but it has to be sustainable as well. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly no doubt that it can engage a, a rugby player pool that has yet to be tapped into in Hawaii, that it can create new fans uh, for the sport, that it can engage an audience overseas, perhaps New Zealand, as you mentioned. Um, but it has to be sustainable. So that's, again, where that money comes from. So I have to be able to think to myself. Sure, we would love to be able to say that there's a long list of investors that are waiting to be able to set up franchises in the U.S., but that's just not the truth. So the money must be coming from elsewhere or at least a group or organization. And this is also interesting, Is and I circle back around to this, is how do you fund it, right? We don't have that answer right here, um, but we have to imagine that they have felt confident enough that they have that business plan set out so well that a bid has already been placed. Otherwise, why would you go down that route?
3: And and by the way, you know, to Scott's point about that international connection, let's not forget if one is looking and, and it's been posted on uh, the fan zone uh, quite frequently, kind of rugby, um, right. that if you look at the list of the, the people are involved, Tracy Antiga is the CEO, um, Matt Antiga is the director of rugby, um, and, uh, those two individuals, uh, brother and sister, by the way, um, they've been, they've had strong ties to New Zealand and some Pacific Island organiz- uh, organizations. Um, Tracy was the CEO of mm-hmm. Auckland basketball. Um, and, uh, Matt was a director of rugby at Eden rugby club. Um, so there's real strong connection to New Zealand. You got to wonder if there's, if that's by design.
0: Right. And, and in particular, I think the background of the Atingas is um, Samoan. So, uh, you know, there again, another great Pacific Island connection and Polynesian culture. When it comes to rugby, they perhaps exemplify some of the greatest uh, aspects of rugby culture. And um, yeah, I mean, what a, again, great way to be able to tap into it, use those resources. I mean, perhaps it might be a wonderful way to be able to connect the part of the rugby world that has yet to be connected to professional rugby.
1: I mean, and and I think as we're, we're seeing, um, uh, we had that nice little snapshot of the paladin entry for some of the Kenaloa Rugby's kits. Um, we're getting a lot of people on the social media at Rant on all platforms um, asking, is it legit? And, and to be honest, it looks legit to me. I mean, I know anybody could probably go on and do it, but I know that that circulated around to different outlets from the same source who we're not going to name. <laughs> so I would I'm gonna say that that's actually legit because there were people on social media like you know kind of saying well how how do you know and, and I want to say that we we Rob Ty and, and 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 myself do know that that is legit that that those things are going to Paladin for not that the, the, that 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 kit's the actual design but it's a thought of a design for a kit for Kenaloa Rugby.
0: Right. Those are proposed. So again, you know, we we referenced it a moment ago, just because it's a truth today doesn't mean it's tomorrow. I mean, how many different versions we just had also the opportunity. Well, we'll have the opportunity to be able to talk with Chris shade in an interview. And uh, I mean, he's seen almost every version of it. And I, what what is it that you said? You know, you were the Austin elite for about two and a half hours. (laughs) (laughs) So certainly, yeah, things change and they change fast than a young league. And the parameters of what is, is allowing for a team to be exist is changing season after season. So what has been shared already by a variety of different means may very well change or may very well be the truth. We don't know until, of course, a vote is made. And of that of that note, We don't know when it's going to be made. We don't know who it's going to be in favor for. We don't know what the conditions are. I mean, I wish that we had a fly on the wall in that conversation when it comes down to a vote, whether you're in or out for the MLR. But I think it's already an ambitious task. And don't you guys to think that you can put together all of this with the start of 2021?
3: Yeah, it's a little ambitious. And let's not forget that um, even when things get announced by the league or they get put on the league's website, they get changed. I mean, that was the way it was with the draft, but also uh, Rick's own Dallas Jackals. Uh, I I happen to be checking out the webpage, the MLR webpage one night, and I happen to see that they kind of had a marker for the Dallas Reds.
0: Right. I think it was. And then a page just holding it.
3: (laughs) Right. And then all of a sudden, and now it's the Dallas Jackals. So we know that things even change from when they're put up on the website and made official uh, for when they actually come to fruition. I think.
2: You know, in a young league, uh, media is challenging. So mm. we're already seeing social media being an issue for uh, the league overall and getting out information. One of the things, uh, like you were saying, the draft, uh, we really didn't know there was going to be a live draft until what, a week and a half, two weeks before mm-hmm. the draft? Yeah. I mean, that, that's crazy. And we
0: didn't know how they were going to share it until a couple of days before. That goes goes back to the transparency. And
1: then you have things like, like I was talking, I talked about in the last rant about um, an organization coming out on social media and saying Matt Houston is, was retiring from rugby. You know, he uh, he plays on old glory and that was completely false. As a matter of fact, a lot of players on social media, when they saw that started to message him and put things and he had to kind of set that the record straight. Hey, I'm not retiring. Um, So, I think the lack of transparency builds these rumors. And I don't necessarily think that's a good thing.
2: No, they they need to get out ahead of a lot of this stuff and also, you know, allow the communities to build themselves. Uh, One of the things we saw today was that the Dallas Jackals created their own Facebook fan group, even though there's already one with 557 members, which I wouldn't even consider very big, but they've got three members and, You know, as Scott has experienced and other teams have experienced San Diego, um, it doesn't necessarily create a great outcome for the teams. And, you know, I don't know if that's a MLR thing or if that's a team specific thing, but there's definitely a media and social media issue that MLR needs to look at.
3: Yeah, right. and I, I don't think it's a I, – I think it's a team thing. I don't think it's a league thing because uh, – and, and I go back to the, the team that I'm closely associated with, the No Gold. I mean, Adrian mm-hmm. – uh, yeah, <laughs> Adrian Thompson runs our fan page, and they've really done a nice job, as I think with Scott's experience with Bruni, done a nice job as using him as a conduit. I mean, he's built I think, 3,000 – Uh, members on his fan page and and he is he was voted their top fan last year given a uh, given a a place at halftime uh, given a plaque given a you know a big celebration of of his efforts as a fan so that recognition has really developed uh, a lot of goodwill with him and throughout the fan group and it's been organic in its growth
0: well this topic ties back to one of the earlier episodes that we had to be able to talk about not only can how can the fan help the league grow And uh, I'll post that right up over here somewhere. I'm really not sure where it is. We'll do that Somewhere at the and, top. Uh, it, it's an important aspect. I mean, that being said, the fans can also be quite critical. I mean, when this right. news kind of dripped out for the first time about Hawaii – People were immediately put up, alert, never possible, never happened. So immediately they were quite critical of it. So I almost understand that as much as we want to be a part of it, we're also very critical as a fan base because our passion is driving everything we do. But maybe that could also be mitigated if you were much more transparent and I felt an inclusion. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of disappointment and looking at it with with, with a certain degree of cautious attitude towards it um but nevertheless you need to be able to engage the fans and, and, and embrace them just you gave a perfect example with Nola recently rob and uh that's the way that i would hope that the entire league uh you know interacts with their fan base well and i i i, I, I on the is also a great way to be able to do it with those fan groups
1: I question Dallas's motive in creating their own fan group because they only already have their social media. So you're just going to double up on the social media you already have. And I think one of the things we've seen in in this past, this is going on a complete tangent that has really nothing to do with Hawaii, but we've seen the guy on Reddit, pardon my friends, my asshole, you're an asshole neighbor who's gone and made redesigns of every team's kit. Um, And that's all fan driven and that's all fan content. And that's been going around and, Every fan, no matter if you're Rooney, Jackals, Jackals, <laughs> Nola. <laughs> um, I almost said Colorado. Nola. We looked at the Hawaii one. We looked at the Nola one. We looked at the Rooney one. We looked at the Jackals one. We looked at the Giltinis. And we we all and we, it was fan-driven, fan content, and everybody had either a positive or a criticism. And you know what? To that guy's credit, he went back when he had criticisms, criticisms about the Rooney kit and then redesign the redesign because we were like yeah it doesn't that doesn't look too good and it wasn't it was criticism that was well taken it wasn't mean it wasn't malicious and right. it was owned by the fans and made by the fans so you know it was something it's it's something Rooney Nola that they don't control as a team and we control as fans and i think
0: yeah and i think I that you do have to, a Yeah you have to engage the fan i mean this is who you do it for they are your customers for lack of a better terminology but really you have to be connected to them they're the ones that grow the culture the culture we spoke about this before must be organically grown you can't manufacture a culture Um, i mean you can try your best to be able to plant the seed but really it's the fans that help it grow and uh, that's a very, very important point. We spoke about it in previous episodes. Uh, Rob, I know you wanted to add to yeah. the conversation. Well,
3: you know, and again, I go back to, to Nola. Um, just recently, this was kind of interesting. So we know Benji, we had him on, I think, our uh, third show, episode three or episode four. Uh, he came on. Well, Benji is a cancer survivor. And uh, Benji uh, was raising uh, money for cancer awareness and for the uh, American Cancer Society and to, to really promote awareness. And r- rather than uh, let Benji out on his own, actually, Noel embraced it. Tim Falcon himself went out, made a a nice little video and encouraged people to donate. And they put um, not only used uh, Go Gold, Andri- Adrian's uh, fan page, but their own uh, website to promote it. And they raised Uh, well over $3,000 from NOLA fans, um, and gave away these NOLA uh, miners hats uh, to people that donated. Um, So it was a great way to engage fans in NOLA. It was a great way to promote an important cause. And it certainly ingratiates uh, the fans to the team using the conduits that exist that are organically grown.
0: So to be able to bring it back onto topic for a moment, how does Hawaii engage the fan?
1: Well, I mean, it has to be fit. Like, get in the NLR first. I mean, Rooney, I know Dallas is the same thing. I'm sure Rick is going to say this next. Rooney and Dallas really came in in 2018. Rooney didn't take the field till 2019. That's where I started to do my thing. Rooney didn't have, you know, Rooney had a CEO and like one guy signed that I knew of. And I hammered home a Facebook group and I started inviting people I knew and I started breaking in and introducing myself to guys like Adrian, you know, to people like Benji, to people like Dylan, to people now like Rick, saying, hey, we're the New York fan, you know, New York fans. We want you to come over. We know you're fans of other teams, but come take a look at what we're doing. And I think that inclusivity of each individual fan club, even though I really don't like the Free Jack fan club for obvious reasons. (laughs) Um, shout, Shout out to Dylan. He runs a great fan club. But I think. Again fan driven, but I don't think it could happen until that vote happens
2: yeah right? and I do think you know there's stuff Kenaloa could do um, in the meantime, you know putting out uh you know the kids right yeah. um, putting out information about what Kenaloa stands for with their with their website and things like that, um, but they could really use somebody out there who's just um you know focused on you know, supporting rugby and professionalization in Hawaii, period, right? And Whether it's Caneloa, whether it's, uh, you know, kind of like the L.A. coast to Giltini's thing, right? It's like, well, somebody wants a professional rugby team in L.A. So let's get some fans to get together and create an organization that supports uh, rugby in L.A.
0: Right. But in that vein, currently, I believe the uh, Kanaloa Hawaii rugby, uh, so let's say, online campaign has near 4,000 people already on the likes on their page. And that's even without a team. That's just the existing fan base is that is there or the hype behind it that has driven it you know, upward recently. But it certainly is a reflection. I mean, when you look at, at, at some teams that only just began, I don't think they had that many uh, supporters already online presence already. So it's a great way to be able to see, engage, you know, what would the reaction be? I'd also have to imagine you'd have to start uh, reaching out to the local clubs, start looking for your players, get them to be able to be a part of it, give them an opportunity to, you know, to be the opening games, uh, you know, get out there and connect with all the, the different clubs, Make your fans grow them from that ground up. So this is the time to be able to do it. I mean, if there ever is a perfect opportunity to be able to launch your campaign, it's now during these conditions. With everybody
2: excited about it. Well,
0: what about this? Uh, To to Rick's point and Ty's
3: point, what about really flooding social media, flooding uh, their website, flooding all the fan pages with examples of youth rugby? And what kind of presence youth rugby has in Hawaii and how that would translate to development of young players who will eventually be looking to join a a professional organization. And I would imagine
0: not that we have any idea of what their their mission statement is, but I would imagine that has to be a core focus is to be able to grow local talent. Uh, to be able to have uh, Polynesian influence in, in the team structure. So why not already start there and reveal those opportunities? Talk about the, the programs that are existing. So great point there, Rob.
1: I think you can follow that up too. Let's say the vote goes well for them and they realistically can't compete in 2021. If if I were Caneloa Rugby, the first thing I would do, I would create a touring side for preseason. We're coming mm-hmm. to the United States as right. will be. We're coming with merchandise. This is the kit we're going to go with in 2022. This is a touring side team. We're going to hit the East Coast. We're going to hit the West Coast, and and put it out there to all the MLR teams because every MLR team kind of struggles in getting that preseason experience. So hit those markets. Hit New York. Hit L A. Hit NOLA. Hit Atlanta. I don't know what hit that is-
0: I would build on that just as the Tasman Mako came to be able to play uh, Seder Cats and, uh, who was it, uh, Seawolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made their way across here. Imagine being able to take your Hawaii team across to New Zealand if it has roots there in its campaign already, and to be able to take your brand there and build your culture from the Pacific Islands and New Zealand abroad. You know, what an amazing way to be able to engage a broadcast community of your own. So you not only would you have the packaged product of rugby, uh, itself, but you'd actually be saying, well, look, we've got an audience of X amount that we're able to engage and bring as viewers to the MLR. And now you have a more profitable and marketable brand and product as a result. Um, and you know that could be another great uh, aspect. If they don't make this a successful bid, a way that you can build a platform for the next opportunity. So one of the other things that uh, that I wanted to be able to bring up is that if they had to be able to have a team that would be able to be uh, playing in 2021, where would they get their players from? Well, you have to understand that recently there was a expansion draft where the Raptors had moved many of them across to Dallas, many of them across to LA. And those that are now, I believe it's the the it was already, and Scott confirmed me, by now all players should have signed new contracts. Is that right?
1: Uh, the, um, this past Monday was the deadline to re-sign with a team. If you have not re-signed, you don't become a free agent until two weeks later. I think it's the July 14th.
0: Right. So let's say that obviously not everybody's found a place, certainly in the Raptors camp. I know that's not the, the case, as we recently had Sean yukubin who explained that he's going to be a free agent and hopefully he finds a home too. And so do all the others because yeah you've got experienced players from the MLR why wouldn't you want to uh, approach them if you had a new team coming so I also want people to recognize that just because Hawaii is a new team it doesn't mean it's new players I mean I could two two things I think
1: in that sentence you, you, you struck on looking at the timing of the way free agents are working we have to assume that there will be a vote sooner rather than later because if they want the new franchise in they have to give them equal shots at all these free agents, guys on the Raptors, guys on all the teams that might want to say, Hey, I want to give it one more shot. Um, you know, I've, I've been working from home during COVID. I can right. conceivably work from home in Hawaii for my continentally based US company and play rugby over there. Scott,
2: I, I would even have to say, not just equal um, opportunity to these players. I think it would have to be, um, you know, affirmative equality in that sense they need to be able to get first touch with all these players before it's the
0: same courtesy that they gave dallas and the uh uh the la guiltini so yeah i would imagine that they must be given a grace period to be able to approach players first yeah so i'm gonna
1: gonna for the timing portion and so i we're gonna i'm going to assume i don't know about you guys that that vote's gonna be quicker rather
0: than later right Um, you have to be able to assume as you so rightly pointed out scott that uh if if they time to be able to re-sign your players under contract for your club is passed, and they can become free agents two weeks after that, then yeah, it must happen in the next two weeks, right?
3: Is is, there, is that part of a greater plan that we just hasn't been released? Uh, you know, Rick talked about uh the fact that the league keeps a lot of things very close to the vest, and maybe that's part of a plan. Maybe that there's um that that's part of the idea that here in two weeks those players are released to the rest of the league, and we're gonna give Hawaii if the vote goes. Well for them, we're going to give Hawaii first shot to sign all those players. Yeah, otherwise
2: it doesn't make sense to hold these players back from communication no. with these teams for another two weeks. It just that just seems real silly. So it has to be in in a combination with that vote. It has to be, mm-hmm.
1: and because of tight deadlines, I can see why MLR is hesitant to say anything. Because if there is a vote and it's not, and and the Kenelow is not coming in, now you just had all this stuff saying, oh, you know. So-and-so showing the Cuban is, is going to, you know, can has an opportunity to speak to them. And then now they're not even a team. So I can could, I could see where in this case, being kind of radio silent on that fact
0: helps the MLR. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is an unusual situation, I would guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I want to be able to take the opportunity to be able to go one more time around the table and share. Do we think that this is feasible? Uh, Do we have a strong feeling that this is actually going to be something that uh, that can happen by 2021? So two points there. Is it feasible and will it happen by 2021? So we'll start it off with Rob. What is your thoughts?
3: Uh, yes, it's feasible. Uh, I'm going to contradict what I said in Episode 6. Um I didn't think <laughs> it was feasible then. I think that there's some things that are materialized, at least the rumor's getting much stronger that it's more feasible now. Uh I don't think it's feasible for 2021. I think that they'll try to put something together to do, like, like Scott said, get some warm-up matches similar to what happened with uh, a couple of the teams that came in for this 2020 season uh and then uh, shoot for 2022 right. to be competitive.
0: Hopefully one step back for two forward, right? Right. So, uh, Rick, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I actually totally agree. Uh, I think the information that's come out recently uh, hints that it is it is definitely feasible. Um, and I think a lot of it is the logistics piece that everybody's yeah. murdered them about, murdered the idea about. And uh, a lot of that is um, looking a lot better at this point. Uh, so I think feasibility, yes. I think we can have an MLR team in Hawaii um, at some point. Um, I would say at this point, it would be really difficult for them to get a competitive team ready to go uh, by February of next year. Not impossible, but I think very difficult. Um, I think I would like to see them join MLR and then become a competitive team playing games in 2022, as Amra said already.
0: Right. Slow and steady wins the race, I suppose. All right. So let's hear from Scott.
1: Uh, I definitely think it's feasible. Uh, I agree with, with the hammer and Rick. Um, I think we will, they will be fielded in 2022, specifically because of COVID. I think if we didn't have the COVID situation we're in now, and now the numbers are creeping back up, it would be feasible if you gave them first shot at the free agents and, and you did it right to, to get them to field a team because it, it, it can happen. But I think because of COVID restriction, now you're severely limiting foreign nationals that we, just talked about constantly that they need and they want and they to use. Yep. So I think unfortunately COVID kind of shoots them down. Um, and it, you know, it might shoot everything down, but specifically it shoots them down for 2021. But again, get a touring side together, get some, get some guys together and, and say, Hey, we're going to tour the United States. We're going to tour Samoa. We're going to tour Fiji, you know, play whoever you need to play, but I don't think they'll be here in 2021.
0: All right. Well, you know, all great points. And I wonder what do our MLR Rant viewers think? So go ahead and leave leave us a comment down below. Let us know what your thoughts are. Perhaps you have something else that you can share that makes it more feasible and more plausible. Hit Uh, us up on social media. Yeah. (laughs) At MLR Rant on all platforms.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And follow us on the MLR Rant. at That's Twitter. we got Instagram handle. Of course, you can follow us on our new page on Facebook, which is uh, mm-hmm. at the MLR Rant, where we will be sharing these videos and many more each week. Don't forget that you can go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the bell icon. You'll get notifications of when our next episode drops. And, of course, you can do that. Well, uh, actually, we'll be dropping videos every Sunday. So stay abreast with what is happening in the league. We'll continue to be able to do so. We need to make sure that also before we head on out, who is the winner of today's challenge and rant? So, Rob, first up, foul play, yellow card. (laughs) (laughs) So, that leaves uh, you to be able to take the challenge here. And uh, I tell you, both had great points. Um, I felt that uh, Rick got the upper hand, though, because he had the first rant. So a lot of the points gave him the uh, the advantage. We did so because he was the guest. And I'll hand it to the guest as a result, too. So, Rick, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're on.
2: one for, the, um, for do, the book. Do you have fake, uh, you know, glitter and stuff to fall down on me? <laughs> yeah, be <laughs> well, no, able no,
0: no well. even help you out there. I got a five-cent trophy. Really ask,
2: wait a minute. Here we go. <laughs> How do, how do I – there we go. There we go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that would be cool if it actually came out. Yeah. You had some, I can imagine. <laughs> you guys got to go get some of these. So, Rick, I expect that you be mailed tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> if you see me wearing a jackal shirt um, –
2: <laughs> You can get into this one.
0: Which – yeah, excellent. You know, I love it, man. And uh what you're doing down there giving the you know, the fans already a great identity is awesome. We've I'm enjoyed him 20 This is this the second time on the show. I should have introduced you as a second timer. So, you well, know, the,
2: the other time was was during the draft, so I, you know, it didn't count, okay,
3: It's a good thing that somebody did uh, mention that, by the way.
0: all right well gentlemen it has been exciting to be able to talk about this hawaii bid i think that we've given our points we all agree that it is feasible but yet it is unlikely for the 2021 season that being said again make sure that you leave a comment below follow us on social media subscribe to our youtube channel make sure that you do so by hitting that bell icon you'll get notifications once again from myself ty braga your host alongside rob Hammerschmidt, Scott and Rick Collins, thank you for watching the MLR Rant Podcast Show. Well, rugby fans, that's another episode done and dusted. Make sure that you follow us on YouTube, follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to be able to learn more about upcoming episodes. And once again, thank you for listening to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show.